Throughout our series on wisdom, we've been thinking about that question of who we turn to for advice. Now we might turn to friends or colleagues, um, perhaps a spouse, maybe even a vicar or a curate even. Um, perhaps some of us might still go to our parents or some of us might even be now going to our children. I now find myself going to my 12-year-old daughter when my 10-year-old needs help with her maths and grammar. Very embarrassed that um, I just think my education wasn't as good. It's much better now. Their English and maths is uh, fabulous. Um, but anyway, that's what my 12-year-old does, and she's also brilliant at helping with me, helping me with anything technical. So I do admit I now go to my children for advice. Um, with uh, Richard this morning, it was quite funny hearing him talk about keys. I realise I have a similar problem when it comes to asking for advice, and so I locked my car keys in the car this morning and um, John had to come flying home on his bike and rescue me. Um, but I did get here on time, so it's fine. So we all need help, we all need advice. But uh, so, many, well, so many times when we've thought about that question, um, our answer has been Jesus. Jesus is the one we go to for advice. And I was thinking about this, and thinking, well, over the centuries, there have been people who do believe that Jesus is God, and God come to us in flesh, and they would naturally go to him for advice. But there's others who don't believe that that's who Jesus is, but still many have sought after his wisdom. And right back in um, AD 93 in Rome, there was a Jewish historian, uh, not a Christian one, but a Jewish one called Josephus. And even back then, he wrote that Jesus was a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. So why have people gone to advice, gone to Jesus for advice over the centuries? Well, perhaps it was his teaching his teaching, his wisdom in teaching is exceptional. We have the Sermon on the Mount as a profound example of wonderful, challenging teaching. Um, challenging back then, still challenging to us now. We have the parables, the way that Jesus spoke to people in stories through the parables and managed to speak wisdom into people at every level of society was amazing. Or maybe it's the way that how Jesus dealt with so many different types of people and the wise advice he offered them. So you have someone like Nicodemus, who would have been um, very well-read. Um, he was a Jewish leader. He still sought out Jesus secretly at night, but wanted to know who Jesus was, wanted to know what Jesus thought. And then we have the enthusiastic rich young man or rich young ruler who wanted to find out what Jesus thought about how he could gain eternal life. Or there's the woman from Samaria. She was right on the edge of society, who no Jew or man or Jewish man would ever have normally spoken to, and yet Jesus spoke to her. And then we have the woman caught in the act of adultery, already humiliated, about to be stoned to death. And Jesus spoke wisdom into that situation and literally saved her life. And then we have how he dealt with the people who oppressed him and persecuted him, offering wisdom and advice then. So Jesus seemed to speak wisdom into every situation. No wonder people went to him for advice then, and still do now. Now, we could say Jesus' wisdom was based on his incredible knowledge of scripture, the Old Testament. He was a Jewish boy. He would have studied his scriptures diligently, so he would have known um, what was contained in them and been able to give advice based on that. Or maybe it was his devoted life of prayer, the Gospels tell us many times that he took himself off to be alone, to spend time with his Father in heaven. Maybe it was prayer, 
but also gave him his wisdom. Jesus is a great model for us, isn't he? Prayer, Bible study, spending time with our Heavenly Father so that we then can also gain that wisdom too. We could even say that Jesus fully embodies wisdom and God's wisdom and his purposes. And then you look back at the Old Testament, there were so many prophecies about him. And Isaiah 11 says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. But there's something more to it than that, and that's what I want us to think about today. It's not just about what Jesus said and what Jesus did, but actually it's more about who Jesus actually is. Now forgive me, because I know I've quoted this before, and you've probably heard it many times, but C.S. Lewis, that great theologian and author of the Narnia series, he said, let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about him just being a great human teacher. Jesus didn't intend us to believe this. He quite clearly told us by the things he taught, the way he lived, and the way he died, that he was more than a wise moral teacher who knew his scriptures and spent time in prayer. It's the question that people have asked through the centuries, and it's the question that we were thinking about on our Alpha course here in church a couple of weeks ago. Who is Jesus? And we're going to look um, at a few verses from the book of Colossians. Um, you can look in the Bibles, but they're also going to be up here on the screen. Um, in your Bibles, they're page 1183. But the book of Colossians is packed full of teaching about who Jesus is. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae because there were some wonderful things going on there. The new church was really growing, but they were also subject to some teaching that was perhaps a bit false. And Paul didn't want them to be deceived about who Jesus actually is. So right at the beginning of Colossians, he reminds them, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, for by him all things were created. And then in chapter 2, which is what we're going to look at, He wants the Colossians to really understand who Jesus is. And part of the false teaching that they um, might be receiving was possibly about them encouraging them to, um, to get extra sort of mystic secret knowledge to help them to be better Christians. Um, So in verse 2, in chapter 2, Paul tells them he wants them to have the full riches of understanding. He wants to enlighten them. Is it because he's going to give them information, some more mystical, secret information? Um, Maybe something to do with rituals or religious observances, which is possibly what the Colossians thought. But Paul says, no, it's actually a lot more straightforward. And in that chapter in Colossians, in verse 3, it says, in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That is all they need. Nothing else. Just one thing. All they need is to know Christ. Just Christ. Not just know about him or know his ways or learn from him, although that's obviously all wonderful, but they need to know him. They need to know Christ Jesus. And so Paul tells us there that the wisdom of God is not just wise teaching. It's not just insightful stories or intelligent advice. Although learning these things from God 
are obviously wonderful for us. But the wisdom of God is in a person. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. Now, every culture hears things differently, don't they? We might go abroad, and some of the words we use um, are completely misinterpreted in a different culture. Um, So what would the new Christians here in Colossae have understood when they heard what Paul was saying about uh, Christ being God's wisdom? Well, for the Greeks, gaining wisdom was of high importance. Knowledge and wisdom, those two words that Paul uses, refer to both the practical wisdom and also the intellectual wisdom that the Greeks prized really highly. But then for the Jews, in their thinking, as we see throughout the Old Testament... God was thought of as wisdom. God was wisdom. Wisdom was God. But the Jews also thought of God as the Word, which we might be even more familiar with. In John's Gospel, he writes, In the beginning was the Word. And he would have have expected his hearers to hear, In the beginning was the Word, but also, In the beginning was wisdom. He was telling them, that this was God, Jesus was God, as word, and also as wisdom. It's the same God who spoke back in Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning, when the world came into being, when he created and the beauty of the universe was formed, when he breathed and life came into human beings, or when he called out and the dead, like Lazarus, were raised back to life again. And this is the God that we can trust with every aspect of our lives too. Now, Anne Graham Lotz, who's Billy Graham's daughter, she wrote a book on um, John's Gospel um, called Just Give Me Jesus. Um, And she writes, Jesus is bigger than we think and greater than we think. She says, Nothing is beyond his ability, whether it's a problem to solve, a marriage to reconcile, a memory to heal, a guilty conscience to cleanse, a sin to forgive, a business to save, a budget to stretch, another mouth to feed, a body to clothe, a boss to please, a job to find, a habit to break, a captive to free, a prodigal to return an addiction to overcome, or anything else we could name. Now, if you fit into one of these categories, and I think probably all of us do today, then Jesus as wisdom is more than sufficient for us. She says, how can you think his power is insufficient for you? He is more than able to sustain your marriage and your ministry, your faith and your finances, your hope and your health. Now, we've been thinking over the last few weeks about wisdom in every aspect of our lives, and I think that's probably covered the whole list and more. How we can grow in wisdom, how we need God's help with this. But wisdom is so much more than us growing in godly wisdom. It's about knowing God, who is wisdom. So how does God enable us to know him in this way? Well, ironically, it's with an act that the world considers foolishness. The world considers it opposite to the wisdom that it would have. 
The symbol of Christianity is not a book of knowledge or a symbol of strength like a lion, but it's a cross. It's one of the most cruel acts of capital punishment that was ever invented. So I want us to think about this verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which again is on the screen, but it's also page 1144 in the Pew Bibles. And Paul writes here, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And in verse 22, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is stronger than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul's not saying that the world's wisdom is nothing, but he's saying that there's a great difference between the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. The Jews expected their God to come in power to save them, not in weakness as they saw it. And the Greek philosophers would have expected a more sophisticated method of saving humanity. So in this passage in Corinthians, Paul wanted to remind the Corinthians and us that the world's wisdom can't save us. Now we might attempt to save ourselves by having the right ideas or the right education, perhaps possessing the correct knowledge, or even perhaps trying to attain God's favour by the things we do. But God says, actually, it's only his wisdom, the wisdom of the cross, through Jesus, that can bring true healing and restoration. God operates on a plane vastly different to ours, doesn't he? Which is why it's difficult, I think, so often for us to understand. God's wisdom isn't self-centred, like our human wisdom often is. But God's wisdom is based on self-denial. But we owe our very existence to the cross, to Christ Jesus. Christ died to deal with our sin, to bring us into friendship with God and to help us to live for him too. Now we can try our hardest to live by God's wise standards, but it's not until we actually know Christ Jesus, who is the wisdom of God, that we can really live with Jesus' wisdom too. Derek Tidball, who wrote a book called The Message of the Cross, says that when we grasp this incredible truth, there are three ways that we'll want to live. Firstly, that Jesus Christ should be our foundation. We're formed by the cross, so we need to live by the power of the cross, not by our own human wisdom and strength. So Jesus should be our foundation. Secondly, Jesus Christ should be our model. We're not to live by our own wisdom or the wisdom of the world around us, but it's Jesus' wisdom that we should live by. He's to be our model. And then thirdly, Jesus Christ should be the one that we proclaim. If our lives have been changed by Jesus, then we'll want to let the world know. And God gives us different ways of doing this. We have different gifts, but we will want to let the world know. So he should be our foundation, he should be our model, and he should be the one that we proclaim. 
And how does Jesus ask us to live in him and live in his wisdom? Firstly, he says we're not to try to do this alone. We do this by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And this is something uh, that Rich is going to unpack for us a lot more next weekend on the church weekend away. We're to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, John tells us in John chapter 15, he says, love one another as I have loved you. This is his core message. In fact, it's the core message of the Bible. We see it running from the beginning all the way through. The Bible is God's book of love to us. Page after page, the Bible tells us that God knows us and that he loves us. And this is what I want us to grasp at the end. It's not about what we know. It's about whom we are known by, who knows us, and who we know. It's about our lives being transformed by Christ as we know him, and as as we don't just walk in his wisdom, but we walk in him as our life as well. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your incredible love for us in Jesus. Thank you that to us as humans, the foolishness of the cross um, may seem evident, but for you it's wisdom. Your wisdom is greater than our human wisdom ever can be. And thank you for the cross. Thank you for that way of knowing you and having that relationship with you. And thank you that wisdom is about knowing Jesus. And we pray that you would help us to know Jesus more deeply and to walk in his wisdom and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, Father God, we thank you for all of this and we pray that you would go through us, go with us through this next week um, in your power and the power of the cross. And we pray this all in Jesus' strong name.